0: This is the Action Network Podcast.
1: On the way. All right, and it is good. All right, here we go. From the ten, throwing in zone.
2: Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown.
1: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? I am Dane Martinez, and welcome to another edition of the Action Network Podcast. This time, we are talking about potential breakout candidates for the 2022 NFL season. And who better to have with me to discuss this topic than my guy, Matt Friedman. He's the director of content over at Fantasy Pros, and one of our newest members, Jill Gallant. And here's the thing, right? We're in that time of year. A lot of fantasy drafts are happening, a lot of people picking win totals, things Of that nature. And we hear the term breakout candidate all the time. But honestly, breakout can mean so many different things relative to what exactly. So, before we get into talking about breakout candidates that we all have, and we are going to dig deep on some of them, I first want to ask you guys when you hear breakout candidate, what are you actually thinking about? Matt, I'll start with you. When you hear the term a breakout candidate, what does that look like? What does that mean for 2022?
2: I have two thoughts in mind. So one is a guy who just hasn't done it at all. And is starting to elevate himself into the tier of relevance, whether it's you know relevant for fantasy, relevant for sports betting. Like he's good enough now to have props listed on you know the week to weeks. So that's the one tier guy. And then I'd say the other tier is a guy who is known, but who sort of catapults himself from good to elite, or in the scu- the discussion of being elite. So those are the the two guys that I think of uh, when I'm you know trying to think about what does a breakout mean.
1: No, it's absolutely you know fair, right? There's so many different perspectives, so many ways to look at it. I remember back in middle school, right? I had to do something called the, the, not the physical fitness test. I banged out eight chin-ups, right? Then the next time I banged out nine. This other kid in my class banged out one chin-up. Then by the end of the semester, he did three and everyone thought that he was a breakout. Meanwhile, I still had the gun show, if you know what I mean, right? So for me, a breakout candidate is kind of more relative to the team they play on, not your fantasy team, but their NFL team that they play on, that they're going to be maybe more of an option. I'm looking at touch, I'm looking at snap count, because if those things increase for their actual football team, I think all the anytime touchdowns and the fantasy production is sure to follow. But Jill, what do you think about when you hear the term breakout candidate?
0: Yeah, that's a good question because I'm similar to Matt, but at the same time, it's more about projecting where players are going to be for anytime touchdown odds mm. starting the season and guys that I can find great opportunity for. So the ones that I'm looking at are like certain players where I can get ahead of it because a lot of the way that the market adjusts on anytime touchdown markets, and that's one of my specialties, is that once they score, the value is pretty much gone in the following weeks. So for myself, the way my strategy is because I make like over like 250 anytime Touchdown bets in during a regular season. I generally like to bet guys that are above the plus 200 range because generally, if you're doing this, you're going to kind of probably fall short on profits or maybe, and you kind of cap your ceiling from that standpoint. So I have a different process than most. I kind of go by the odds. You know, what do the odds tell me? Track them week to week. I compare implied probabilities. Then I look at matchups and stats just like everybody else does. So I think I've identified a few players that I think we can get ahead of to get touchdown bets in before the market shifts against our
1: favorite. All right, Jill, so let's get into it now. What What is one of the guys that you're out there saying that there is equity right now? I like the fact that you're not taking an anytime touchdown of a guy that's plus 210 or plus 165. You're looking at that third wide receiver, that second tight end who may only be in on a goal line package anyway. But if you hit him at 701, that is good money right there. So, Jill, who's someone who kind of fits that category that you expect to break out and be plus EV for you in that anytime touchdown market this year?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You will be hearing many uh, Cooper Cup anytime touchdown bets from me. I don't really think you need an expert to tell you that Cooper Cup is a good football player, but the guy that I've actually identified that I think is going to be really good at somebody that we can get great odds value, but somebody that is kind of maybe forgotten just because of where he's playing. It's Tommy Tremble a tight end with the Carolina Panthers. So during his second year, there's not really a lot of competition on the tight end front in that offense. Ian Thomas is going to be mainly the blocking tight end in that offense, but he has four touchdowns in 65 career games, one touchdown in the last 33 games. He is not a competition for tight end touches from that squad. Uh, he scored his only primetime touchdown last year after they traded Dan Arnold, the guy that I thought was going to be the breakout candidate in this offense. And what he did, his odds were plus 1,200 in that game to score a touchdown. And last year, going forward, every week, his odds were tracking around the plus 500, plus 650 range. Also, the one thing that's really good about Tommy Tremble, specifically, Baker Mayfield is probably going to be his starting quarterback and baker favors tight ends for passing touchdowns in 2021 for example uh 10 of his 17 passing touchdowns were to the tight end position 36 of every one of mayfield's touchdowns have gone to the tight end position so i'm not saying really that tremble is going to score every week but i'm going to say that he's going to get one in the first three weeks at an enormous price and you won't get that for the rest of the year and i also just wanted to note before i finish the Browns have the ranked bottom five in touchdowns allowed the tight ends last year. And who do they play in week one? The Cleveland Browns.
1: No, it's interesting, Jill. And obviously, if you're taking someone who's going to have that kind of big number and they do cash, right, and get into the end zone early in the season, and you're just playing with gravy, right? So if they do get into the end zone in the month of September, that is a great bet. You know, you also mentioned that Baker Mayfield will be that quarterback. And Matt, you are also looking at one of these guys that Baker Mayfield will be throwing the ball to, but this time on the outside of the numbers.
2: Yeah, I just want to say first, uh, I love that call by by Jill. One thing that, that's great about uh, about Tommy Tremble is he also uh, got some goal line carries last year. So like mm-hmm. he's got multiple avenues for uh, for getting that touchdown. So I like that. I'm also looking at DJ Moore. Uh, think of all the great receivers in the league right now. We are in what I would call like a wide receiver renaissance. The league has never had a collection of talent at the position as rich as what we have currently. And out of all those players, you know, Cooper Cup, Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, and you got some of the younger guys, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Only one receiver has 1,200 yards from scrimmage in each of the past three seasons, and that's DJ Moore, who has toiled in I'd say relative obscurity in Carolina. But you know, here's the thing: as Jill mentioned. We got the best quarterback of his career in Baker Mayfield coming into Carolina, which says a lot about the the quality of the guys who have been throwing him the ball to this point. DJ Moore is still just 25 years old. He's ascending. Uh, he was a first rounder, so he's got that. You know, that draft capital coming with him. He was the first wide receiver selected in his class, actually. And he's got good speed and agility for a guy who's 210 pounds. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. You know, as wild as it is to say that a guy with 1,200 yards three years in a row has room to break out even more, I think that's the case. And this feels like the year it's going to happen. He has a 1,500-yard season in him. I think this is the year.
1: So let me ask you guys both, because you both mentioned Carolina Panthers out the shoot, obviously there will potentially be another, a different person under center in Baker Mayfield. And there's also the return of Christian McCaffrey in that offense. Right. And I usually think about touches or scoring potential as a pie. Right. And Christian McCaffrey is going to eat up some portion of that pie. You know, than he wasn't there last year Do either of those things concern you you guys about the Panthers you've mentioned, whether it's tremble or more thinking about some of the newness in that offense with Baker or the fact that CMC is going to be there and he's going to get a lot of touches from the goal line as well. Jill, does that factor in for you? You were talking a lot about Baker and what he did with the Browns. Now he's with a new team and he's got a pretty nice weapon behind them too. I think it factors in positively
0: because okay. he's going to draw an attention away from those positions. You saw that offense kind of crumble after Christian McCaffrey got hurt last season where guys were just make It was very difficult to get separation. Um, and you saw guys from a touchdown perspective, just kind of drop off in that offense. So while you're right, yes, he will demand a little bit more of like a target share and just touches in general. I personally don't think that's a detriment. I actually think it's a positive that he's going to be on the field for our for our breakout players.
1: All right, fair enough. When I go to breakout players, like I mentioned at the top of the show, right, I'm thinking about within the NFL team having an opportunity to do more, whether that's being on the field more or getting more of the touches. And one of my breakout guys really fits that. I'm talking about Alan Lazard over in the Green Bay Packers. And why? Because as you all know, Devontae Adams and his 169 targets are now not there, okay? I know this Green Bay offense wants to run the ball a little bit more with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, but this is still Aaron Rodgers, the two-time MVP. And if you believe that Aaron Rodgers is still going to have a good pass-happy offense, I want, who I believe now is the number one wide receiver. I know what uh, they went out and drafted the kid Watson. I know they got Sammy Watkins there. But Aaron Rodgers likes to build trust with his wide receivers. We've been talking about that for years, how some of these young kids, he doesn't get into the fold right away the one wide receiver on Green Bay who's been there for a while who actually has the trust and belief of Aaron Rodgers is Alan Lazard I think there will be a huge uptick in targets for him and you are seeing him go right now around like wide receiver 50 or so and you know, on its face, if you give me the number one wideout for the Green Bay Packers, I say that is a potential for a breakout. But let's find somebody else here. Jill, you mentioned another tight end that you wanted to talk about this time from a team that may only win three games. But again, that doesn't matter down there in Houston, right? That's right. And
0: before I talk about this guy, I just wanted to let you know, Alan Lazard is my guy. That guy finished as the most profitable Packers anytime touchdown scorer last year at plus 6.5 units. So if you had just blindly bet him all 14 14 games that he played last year for one unit per game, you would have made 6.5 units of profit doing nothing, just betting it blindly. So I'm just letting you know, I'm with you. So this guy from a backup standpoint, and I don't even know if I wanted to find him as a backup in this offense. And it's Brevin Jordan. A tight end with the Houston Texans, and the reason why I really like his potential, especially earlier in the year, is what he was able to do with the limited touches that he did. He only played nine games last year, but he had three touchdowns in those games, six red zone targets, 29 overall targets. And from a tight end perspective, there's not really much competition in this offense either because the starting tight end is Farrell Brown, who, of course, in the offseason reporting that he's in the best shape of his life as any other player coming into training camp, but he played six more games than Brevin Jordan last year, finished with zero touchdowns and 34 targets. For me, outside of Cooks, there is no standout pass catchers in this offense that are going to chew up targets, although I do have a little special place in my heart for Nico Collins. I think Brevin Jordan is the guy that you want to target, and you're going to be able to get him in the plus 500, plus 600 range, really, to start the season, especially in this Houston Texans offense.
1: All right, let's stay talking about tight ends, okay? Matt, you have a tight end that I think is interesting. There's been a lot of talk down there in Denver of all the weapons that Russ is going to have to cook or let's ride, as it were. But you're talking about the tight end there. He had a great relationship with Drew Locke. I think they were college like roommates, but Albie O is still in Denver, and you think he's going to get some shine.
2: Yeah, Albert Okwabunam, I think he's going to crush this year. I'm sure I didn't get the last name right, but just we'll just say Alberto. O. That, that's the, the way to go with this. Uh, super dynamic last year. Third-round rookie Greg Dulcich is starting to get some training camp hype, but I'm not really buying it. Day two tight ends almost never do anything as rookies. Okuwebunam last year, out of all the tight ends who had at least 40 targets, he was number seven with two yards per route and number nine with 4.2 routes Per target. Like the guy is just a playmaker. And now he gets the best quarterback of his career and Russell Wilson. He's a freak athlete uh, who is another year removed from his ACL injury, which I think is something that people aren't really taking into account. His rookie year ended with the ACL injury. And I don't think he was as athletic last year as he had been previously. Another year removed from that, I think we're going to see him in his full freak athleticness. And he's going to have more opportunities to make plays this year now that tight end Noah Fant is gone. Wide receiver Tim Patrick is out for the year. And when he was coming out of college, the guy I comped him to was Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, like the younger version of Jimmy
1: Graham. I think that's what we're going to see this season. And while we're talking tight end, let me just give a little bit love to a tight end in Chicago, Colt Kmet. I think when you're looking at tight end, and now I'm talking from the fantasy side, right? There's that top tier, we all know the names. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot. And most people think that tight end outside of the top tier is touchdown dependent. But I believe Colt Kmet may actually get enough targets and enough receptions to bolster your squad even without the touchdowns. Remember, I'm big about vacation targets and Allen Robinson not being there is a good six targets a game. I know there's Darnell Mooney as the number one, but I expect this team in year two under Justin Fields to still be down in games and him to still be leveraging his security blanket at the tight end position. I think Cole Komet could be a week in week out four or five or six reception a week kind of guy putting himself into the second tier of tight ends. Now one tight end, everybody, is expecting a huge breakout from this year. And his second season is the tight end in Atlanta, Kyle Pitts. But Matt, you think there's another young pass catcher in Atlanta who qualifies for our definition here of a breakout candidate?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at Drake London. He's precisely the kind of rookie wide receiver that I gravitate towards. He's, he's big, 6'4, 219 pounds. He's young. He turned 21 years old in July. I mean, preternaturally young, uh, and he's entering the NFL as a junior, you know, so in college only three years, he had elite draft capital, went number eight overall, incredibly strong college production, had over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns receiving in eight games in his final season. I mean, you just kind of like put all that stuff together and, and you compare him to other guys who were similar as prospects. It's like Larry Fitzgerald, like Mike Evans, like that kind of, of body type and, and playing ability. If I'm a year too early in predicting the breakout, that that's fine. It's going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of when, and I'm just going to start predicting it as soon as he's in the NFL.
1: Oh, you officially have it on tape right now, Friedman. Don't worry about it. Breakout coming early for the rookie out of USC, Drake, London. Jill, let's go back to you because you have some under-the-radar wide receivers that you think could actually be profitable when it comes to the anytime touchdown market. And I know one of them is someone you think could get some shine in Dallas as a wide receiver three, which is a really important role in that offense.
0: Yeah, and. I think I have to have a proper disclaimer here to let people know that I am a Cowboys fan, uh, but not the insufferable ones, just the sufferable ones, the ones who are looking at it from a glass half empty standpoint. So I just want to put that out there before I tell you who it is going to be. And it's going to be Jalen Tolber, uh, wide receiver depth. Uh, from a Cowboys perspective is just a bit iffy, especially compared to last season. Like we know CeeDee Lamb is going to get his targets, but Michael Gallup is not going to be all the way back to start the season. He might, he's going to miss week one. He'll probably miss maybe even week two, depending on how that knee is recovering. But wide receiver three in this offense is a darling for any time touchdown profits in recent years. And just the most recent season, Cedric Wilson, uh, who left to go to Miami in the off season, which kind of broke my heart. But he led the Cowboys at any time touchdown profits last season with 6.5 units on six touchdowns in 16 games. And most of that was done after Michael Gallup got hurt in uh, week 17. He he just went nuts in that 17 game and week 18. Um, and a ton of guys, you know, they're going to get opportunity like a TJ Vash or like a Noah Brown, but just according to training camp reports and just reading, you know, quotes from like the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, they're saying that right now that Tolbert has the most versatility out of all those wide receivers and that he's going to be getting a lot of early opportunities. So I think Tolbert, he'll be, he'll be wide receiver three. Early in this season, uh, probably around the plus three hundred range, just because of the pecking order for offensive players and that offense of who would probably be getting more touchdowns in that spe- in that span. But for me, anytime touchdown odds at looking at over plus three hundred for Jalen Tolbert, that is somebody that I'm going to be betting a lot in the first month of the season.
1: And Jill, then you also have another guy, this time in Arizona, who's almost a similar kind of role. And I'd love to ask you, how much does it matter in Arizona when you have DeAndre Hopkins on the shelf? You have Hollywood kind of in and out as well. You've got a wide receiver for the Cardinals that you think could be a play in this market as well.
0: Yeah. And I'm a little bit skeptic of the impact of Hollywood Brown in that offense, along okay. with whether or not AJ Green is actually still AJ Green. I think a lot of the time when people bet his props, they're still thinking of Bengals AJ Green, and that is not the case, especially last year. So listen to this I'm taking Antoine Wesley. I think he's going to have a nice little breakout this year because if you look at when De'Hondre Hopkins got hurt last year in week nine, from week nine onward, he played nearly 70% of the snaps in this offense. Uh, he's going to get more reps early with Hopkins until at least week seven. He caught three touchdowns on nine targets in week 15, week 16 when Hopkins was out. His touchdown odds were probably around plus 550, plus 350, like in those range for those two games. And as I was kind of saying about AJ Green, I just think he's washed up, man. Like, and it really saddens me to say because AJ Green has won me some leagues back in his prime, but. Pretty much from week nine onward after DeAndre Andre Hopkins got hurt. That should have been AJ Green's time to shine. He didn't score a touchdown for the rest of the year. So I'm not going to take AJ Green or think that AJ Green is the guy that is going to be. So I think Antoine Wesley, as long as so some recent injury news just popped up. Uh, where he might potentially need surgery they're saying they're going to let it rest to see if he'll need it if he doesn't need surgery he is going to be the guy that I'm targeting because Kyler Murray I mean he was seventh in pass attempts per game last year top five in accuracy so you can really load up on those wide receivers and those pass catching options that are further down the depth chart I mean really if you just really want another breakout Kyler Murray has seven touchdowns in the last two seasons from week one to week three in a six game total. So Kyler Murray is another guy you probably want to identify if you're betting touchdowns early in the season before he eventually gets hurt.
1: Fair enough. And those Arizona Cardinals in week one will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And on that Chiefs roster is a guy that I think people need to look out for in a breakout. Again, from a fantasy side, looking at a quality RB2 if you're going zero running back strategy. I am very interested this year in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Now, Jill may not get love with him on the anytime touchdown market because I think in his rookie year, he got to the end zone like once, and it was flabbergasting people. But again, I look at how the chiefs expect to be different this year and that is without of course Tyreek Hill you got Juju and others in there but what was Tyreek Hill value also near the goal line we had end arounds we had sprint out options and I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire who is a weapon out of the backfield is now in his third year will have that kind of familiarity and as more and more teams try to play the Chiefs with these two high safeties we've seen Tennessee do it we've seen Buffalo do it we've seen since Cincinnati do it when you just put the safeties back there will Mahomes kind of take his medicine and understand that the run game could be his best friend. I think that will be part of the evolution of the Chiefs offense this year. And I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a big part of it for any Fresh Prince fans. That's where we're going. Yo, Mahomes to Hilaire. I think CEH will be very, very valuable as a balance for that offense. And if he's your RB2, I will take it right now. But, Matt, there may be no single player in the NFL this year with more, I don't know if expectation is the right word, but potentially excitement, wonder about what it will look like, including all the people that have MVP tickets on this man. I'm talking about the newly anointed head of the San Francisco 49ers offense. It will not be Jimmy Garoppolo. This is now Trey Lance's team. Matt, what do you think it's going to look like with Lance under center?
2: Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm one of those people who has uh, that MVP ticket. That MVP ticket? Sure. I hear more of
1: those than, you know, Mahomes, Brady, everybody combined. So why are you on it? I think of something like 40, 50 to one.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean, let's just run through the litany, right? Lance has the elite draft capital. Uh, taken number three overall last year. He has the high rushing floor in 10 quarters of action last year. He had 161 yards on 31 carries. He's got that really strong arm, obviously stronger than Jimmy Garoppolo. He has one of the best offensive play callers in the NFL with Kyle Shanahan, who made Garoppolo look great. All right, over the past five years, Garoppolo was number five in the league in composite expected points added in completion percentage over expectation. That's a very predictive statistic. And he was number five behind Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. Like that's a, that's a really good list. We'll say Jimmy Garoppolo probably doesn't belong on that list, but Kyle Shanahan helped him get there. Imagine what Shanahan could maybe do with a guy who maybe is a better quarterback, right? Shanahan could facilitate that for Garoppolo. He could make Lance look like Steve McNair. Like that's the comp that I have for Lance, a guy with a big arm and running ability, taken high in the draft from a small school, a guy who's raw and needs some time on the bench before starting. He had that time on the bench last year, and I I think this is the year in which he has that total MVP upside, and it helps that he has the playmakers around him. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, those are three of the best after-the-catch receivers in the league. If Shanahan can scheme easy completions for Lance, those guys could really juice his overall numbers and help him break out in a big way. I think it's the MVP case. I, I love it.
1: All right, fair enough. Listen, I've got him on some dynasty fantasy rosters, so I hope that it does go that way. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You talk about guys like Debo, guys like George Kittle. You get the ball in their hands in space and they can make your stats look real good. And you know who can get them the ball in space? Not only Trey Lance, but the scheme of Shanahan will get guys running wide open if Trey Lance can hit them. But, Matt, you know what's interesting? You mentioned in your kind of talking up of Trey Lance, his draft position, when he was a rookie and the faith you have in the coach that he's working with right to develop him and those are two of the reasons why a quarterback i think is going to break out in the afc south is my guy sunshine trevor lawrence i'm going to say some of the same exact things matt that you just said right the draft capital is there lance was number three lawrence was number one people thought that this was like the most obvious blue chip prospect since andrew luck or john elway now what happened last year Well, we probably don't want to talk about what happened last year. But when you say what Shanahan and his scheme and coaching can do for Lance, I think Peterson down there in Jacksonville can do similar things for Trevor Lawrence, develop him. And they spent a ton of money in the offseason. Whether you like the deal Christian Kirk got or not, he is there. Marvin Jones is there. And so is his boy Etienne from Clemson. I think they're actually building around Trevor. And this is a guy in Peterson who had Nick Foles go 24 touchdowns and two interceptions. So I think he can do a little bit more with Trevor Lawrence as well. A lot of second year quarterbacks could be expected to take the dump. Trevor Lawrence and, of course, Trey Lance among them. Let me ask you guys one more question before we get out of here. And I'll start with you, Jill. We talked about defining a breakout at the top of the show, right? So let's revisit this. It's Halloween, you know, it's week nine. And those guys haven't really broken out just yet, right? Do you ride with them or are you just on to the next breakout candidate? Like how long do you stay with someone as your guy? There's some guys that I still can't quit from three years ago.
0: Yeah, I think it goes case by case basis but I usually give it about four to six games. So by week six, if I'm not seeing kind of the projected breakout that I am expecting from a touchdown perspective, then I don't want to call them a lost cause. I would just say, I need to see it first. And then, uh, then we'll go back to it and revisit it. But uh, like Trevor Lawrence, for example, last year, somebody that I was very bullish on from an anytime touchdown perspective, and he had the numbers to support why I was so into it, but the offense was broken. There was no real, and the offensive line as well. So like, he was like fifth, in red zone carries for all quarterbacks but only scored twice last year and that to me that doesn't compute and that's usually because there's an offensive line issue there's an offensive scheme issue but I think that's going to be changed now with the way that you were just explaining like Doug Peterson coming in a revamped offensive line those are the guys that I kind of want to identify as guys that are trending upwards so I think that was probably the best definition of it is that I'd say by week four to week six is when
1: I decide to pull the shoot or not What about you, Matt? I like the way you said it, pull the shooter knot. Like, are you jumping ship at all on some of these guys, whether it's in the betting world, whether it's in the fantasy world? You know, we take these stands on these guys over the course of, you know, two, three months over the summer. Then all of a sudden it's week three and I'm offering them, you know, for a fourth round draft pick next year. How long do you wait it out before you jump ship on one of your breakout guys? Yeah, it
2: depends on uh, a number of factors and the the context in which I'm thinking of the breakout. So say someone like Trey Lance, he could be an absolutely horrible real-life quarterback, uh which would mean that I would just, you know, burn my ticket for the uh the 81 MVP, but uh, he could still be a really good fantasy quarterback within that context. Uh but, you know, maybe from the sports betting side, obviously not only is the MVP ticket dead, maybe I start betting against him. Uh, each week or, you know, betting against the 49ers just because it's clear that even though Trey Lance is putting up fantasy points, he's not a good real life quarterback and teams are just able to get the cover against him. Some of it would also be dependent on usage, you know, like the underlying statistics that you mentioned, like is a guy playing more apps? Is he getting more targets? So let's say DJ Moore is actually having not a great season, an OK season, but he's getting a lot of targets coming his way. He's getting a lot of air yards uh, and they're just not connecting. If that underlying usage is still there, then I would probably remain bullish and I'd actually maybe want to buy because the underlying statistics are still good.
1: All right, well, there you have it, guys. This is the Action Network podcast, guide to breakout players for the 2022 season. From my guys, Matthew Friedman, the director of content over at Fantasy Pros and our newest acquisition, Jill Galan. I am merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel with the Action Network. Download the Action Network app, unless, of course, you are allergic to money. We'll catch you next time here on the Action Network pod.